Hi, my name is Juliet, and I'm the host for this podcast. I'm studying to be a rabbi. Actually, I'm going to be a rabbi next year. Um, And in Judaism, there's a specific portion or reading, which we call the Parsha, from the Torah for every week of the year. And as we go through these readings week by week in order, from the beginning of the Torah to the end, from the beginning of the Jewish year to the end, we analyze the stories and we comment on them. Of course, connecting them to real life, to contemporary life, is how these ancient stories come alive, which is one of my great passions as a future rabbi. I hope you'll accompany me as I tell these stories of Torah and of my life and the lives of others. If you miss an episode, you can always go back and find it wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, that sounds really professional, right? Uh, Thanks for coming on this ancient journey with me. And I hope you'll check out my website, lenegditamid.us, L-N-E-G-D-I-T-A-M-I-D dot us. No apostrophe. Um... I offer all kinds of things, so please check it out, and though I offer these podcasts freely, any contributions uh, would be greatly appreciated and really helpful. You can do that on my website through PayPal or Venmo. Thanks so much. again everybody so this week's Parsha this week's this week's what is this this week's Parsha is Chaye Sarah and this podcast this uh, episode that's what I, that's the word I was looking for is called chaos caves and caving in the Bible tells us from dust we come and to dust we shall return It's a statement that carries simplicity and equilibrium. But the fact is that we welcome one and we reject the other. And what they actually share is chaos, which is anything but simplicity and equilibrium. And calm, I might add, obviously. So I had this experience this week. Um, My cousin, I have a cousin who's dying of cancer and she just entered hospice maybe a week and a half ago. She just came to terms with the fact that she had, that she's going to die. And I led a prayer circle for her on Zoom for her uh, last week. And in this prayer circle, as much as I tried to keep it centered and calm and focused, it was incredibly chaotic. There were tons of technological issues. It was, it was horrible. She was late a half an hour, more than a half an hour, in and out. People were coming and going. Other people had technological issues. There were people from different walks of life, from different parts of her life, different parts of the world. It was a little crazy. And I was thinking, oh my God, I have to keep this really, you know, I have to stay really grounded and calm so that I can do something for her to help her go 
you know, leave this earth in a calm way without fear. And we had talked about that. She was really afraid. She was afraid of dying. And I asked her what she was afraid of. And she said, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm just going to be conscious one minute and unconscious the next. And I talked to her about angels and, um, we talked about, um, what happens at what you know what she imagines happens after you die and what jewish tradition says happens after you die all kinds of things it was very helpful to her and and she wanted a prayer service and i said i i i i the intention of this is to help you leave with calm and equilibrium and not be afraid so here was this chaos but it, the chaos reflected, you know, it didn't come out the way I wanted it to. Of course, nothing ever does, right? But this chaos was actually very perfect in the end. I mean, it reflected the chaos that we go through as we prepare to, to leave Earth. And the chaos in Earth, on Earth at this very moment. And it seems like, I mean, you know, we, people talk about this. Chaos is the, is the essence of transition. But maybe it doesn't have to be. You know, we welcome birth with gusto. We're like, oh, yes. Oh, we're just it's so beautiful. But our culture doesn't help us at all with death. With modern science and medicine, we've come to believe that we should be able to live forever. And if not forever, then at least for a very long time. And if we don't, or if our loved ones don't, we feel cheated. I have a friend whose mother just died this week. Another part of this very chaotic week for me. Um, she just died of cancer also at the age of only 65 and 64. Very young. Very painful. Um, and of course, her daughters feel cheated. She felt cheated. And she was fighting up until the very end. She was even unconscious. I mean, we if, we've, if you've ever witnessed or heard about... You know, people dying who die just like, they're just can't even, they're not calm, they're agitated. And that was, that was the state of, of my friend's mother. So it's hard. It's very heavy stuff. It's really hard. And getting back to my cousin, she's been a scientist her whole life. And she loves sharing about the important work she's done. She's saved lives. She's worked in Ukraine. She's worked all over the place. And she's very proud and for very good reason. It's really important what we do while we're here. And yet, even though she's lived a long and productive life, she still mourns what she won't get to do. I mean, she's only 71, which feels really young these days. But, you know, if you think about it, in years past, that would have been a tremendous tremendous accomplishment to live that many years and to do the amount that she has done in her work during her lifetime. It's amazing. And, um, but anyway, you know, she had all this fear and chaos and fighting for her, fighting her imminent death. And in that process, what did she do? She did what people do. She bargained, she denied it, and she refused to return. Return from dust we come and to dust we shall return. She's like, I'm not going back. No. This week's Parsha begins with Sarah's death. Right away, there's bargaining. 
just like my cousin, bargaining. But this bargaining is not between Sarah and the angel of death. It's between Abraham and the locals for a small piece of land at the edge of a field that has a cave, and he wants to bury Sarah in this cave. It's a false kind of bargaining, though. It's the kind that implies that the sellers don't really want money. Oh, no, 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 you're too honorable. You're, 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 you're too great a man. We, I don't want your money. But, of course, they do in the end. They want the money, and Abraham... And there's all this back and forth, you know? Like, and you know how it's going to end. Abraham pays good money for it, and it ends up as it was intended from the start for him to pay for this. So Abraham buries Sarah in the cave, and next thing we know, he's sending his servant back to the land of Abraham's birth to find a bride for his Isaac. Need a bride for Isaac. And he insists to the servant, this woman that you find, she must be of our family, of our blood. I don't want him marrying a Canaanite from this land where I'm living now. And the servant is like, well, what if it doesn't work out? What if, what, if, uh, what if I can't find somebody? What if she won't come back for me? Come back with me. And he says, under no circumstances. Then, okay, you're released from your, from your you know, promise and your, your efforts. And you're forgiven. But under no uncertain circumstances, terms, is Isaac to ever return to where Abraham come, came from. And obviously, Abraham doesn't want to go back there. Abraham left and has never gone back. So there's the returning and the refusing to, the, to return and that whole chaos. And there, it carries a kind of chaos. It's obviously, I'm thinking, Abraham probably had turmoil in him around it. So it, also, um, Abraham says to, the, to, to his servant, don't worry, an angel will be leading the way for you. Now, I was surprised to learn that my scientist cousin, who I always thought was an atheist, she came from the same family I came from, and my father and her sis- his sister, my aunt, they were staunch atheists, and I thought that she was too. We hadn't talked in like 20 years, so I didn't know that she had developed any differently than that. Um, but she didn't scoff at the idea of angels when we talked, or of traditional prayer, traditional Jewish prayer. I asked her, for your service, do you want me to, do you want, do you want to bring any traditional Jewish prayer in? And she was like, of course. Okay. Well, okay. Of course. That was an unexpected answer. And when we prayed for her, she said she felt like she was being lifted by angels. Her fear dissipated. She felt held and secure. In our Bible story, Abraham's servant prays, And to his surprise, he finds the perfect girl, Rebecca, immediately, just as he's arriving um, to to where the family lives. He has this whole image of what's going to happen. And the girl, you know, he knows that the women will be by the well, drawing water uh, for their camels and to bring back home. And he imagines that that there will be a girl, if there's a girl there, that immediately shares her water with him, the servant, and then offers it to his camels, or his camel, yeah, to his camels, that this is going to be the one. And he's shocked that his prayers are answered. And so shocked that he, when he, when the family 
he's sitting around the table. They've invited him in to eat. She, he's given her bracelets and earrings and ear, nose rings. And this is a symbol of, you know, the, of the, the upcoming marriage. Will she agree to come with him? And they say, come eat with us. And he sits down with them and he says, but no, I cannot eat until I tell you the story. And he tells them blow by blow. Like, this is how amazed he is. Like, you've got to hear this story. It's crazy. This is, this is the energy that's coming from him. And so Rebecca's brothers, upon hearing this story, they recognize that their sister's match has been ordained by God. It's like, Obviously, God sent you. The angel led you. Okay, this is meant to be. Sarah, uh, Rebecca can go with you. Of course, they don't ask Rebecca at that point. But, well, you know, that's kind of par for the course, right? But then they bargain with the servant anyway. Oh, can you wait? Can you hang out some? Give us some 10 days, please. Can we have a little bit more time with her? And it was just like my cousin, you know, my cousin who seemed to finally be at peace with dying, feeling the angels. But then in conversation during our Zoom call with all these people, you know, people are like, they, they can't, they can't accept it. They're like, no, no, Diana, I didn't even know you were sick. How could you be leaving us? I was expecting you to come back to Ukraine and work with me here. No, you've got to get better. And she's like, I've still got 20% chance of survival. And, you know, she goes back to that place. And so it's, you know, it's, it's, not a, it's not an easy transition. It's not an easy thing to accept. She's still bargaining. Even though she's in hospice and her organs are breaking down. So... Back to our story, Rebecca's brothers, the servant, the, you know, they've, they've begged for more time. And Rebecca's brothers, what do they say? I mean, Re- Rebecca's servant, sorry, no, I'm getting all mixed up here. The servant, Abraham's servant says, no, please let my mission be successful and let me move on. Please let me go back. The God of my master heard my prayers and the angel who led me here has helped. So please just let me be on my way. So they turn to Rebecca and they ask her, all right, how do you feel about this? And she says, I'm fine with it. She agrees to leave right away. She's not, she doesn't waver at all, which is kind of shocking because it's not a simple bus ride home, you know, to her family. And who knows when she'll see them again and who knows if she'll ever see them again and who knows what she's getting herself into. Rebecca carries this calm, unwavering aspect that reflects that she trusts, she has faith. She doesn't bargain at all. And my cousin had this feeling, this like aspect of Rebecca too for, for, for a few moments here and there during our service. And I'm sure it comes and goes. She felt this, this aspect of, I'm ready to go, I'm not afraid. God is leading the way and whatever God is, but I've got to go. It's time to follow. I was listening to Krista Tippett. If you know me, you know I love Krista Tippett. I love the On Being Project, On Being podcast. And she was interviewing Catherine Hayhoe, who is a not only an atmospheric scientist, you can look her up, she has her website. She dedicates her life to re- reversing climate change 
And she's also an evangelical Christian, which is kind of surprising these days. But she explained it's not at all surprising to her. She says, the household I grew up in, I grew up in a Christian household, evangelical Christians, very active scientists also, believe in both, and they believe in... So she, she learned this. She's like, the mystery of the universe, it's science, we can study it, we can learn it, but it's still... A mystery and it's still God but we can still do that do something about it and to her there's no contradiction at all she has no doubts about God or angels and she has total faith also really nice to hear this that we still have time to reverse climate change climate disaster and chaos and that there she also says there's enough will in the world to do it like she she's like it just just because on the news, they never report this because it's not good news. She's like, I live in Texas now, and Texas is the worst place for evangelical Christians and denial of, of, of climate disaster and climate change. And, you know, and she's like, they have more wind energy in Texas. They use that wind energy. They have more windmills and and all kinds of other stuff than any other place like they are on one side of the political you know divide and debate and yet their actions show otherwise which is really interesting so she's like you gotta look at what's really happening in the world and she's bubbly and she's happy and she's spreading the word and i say it not with you know with more than a little bit of um of irony, she's spreading the word to climate disaster deniers. She's no longer preaching to the choir. She is in a place where she gets to talk to people who are caught up in by the political chaos and don't know what to believe. And she offers solutions that people can relate to personally. She's amazing. She's like, you don't have to, you know, give up your mead. I mean, she doesn't talk to people about that. It's like, that's not a place to start. That's not where you're going to connect with people. So I was just amazed by her. But the important part for our purposes right here is that Heiho understands that it is only politics that has created the divide that we're living in between creationism and science as if they're not compatible between science and religion, spiritual belief. And she understands how it serves our present political chaos. Her own husband she had to convince. Like, he was one of these doubters, you know. And um, and she just was, like, shocked. She didn't even know it, I think, until... I think she says until after... Until after she... They got married. Because she just didn't even know that this was an issue. That it would be an issue. Or for him... Either he never questioned it. They thought, you know, they're both evangelical Christians. They would have the same beliefs, right? But apparently they didn't. And now now he understands. And he, you know, she's convinced him, no problem. But so it's a matter of growth. Like people have to grow, right? And they also have to be exposed to different ideas. And um, so I I encourage you to go to her website, Catherine Hayhoe. It's Catherine with a K and Hayhoe is H-A-Y-H-O-E. Dot com. So I want to say that we have a choice not to feed and not to participate in the unhealthy divide that our culture has created around life and death, between science and spiritual belief, all of which exist 
on the same continuum. There is no, we don't have to divide them. This is an unhealthy thing. We don't have to participate in it or feed it. And I think, I believe that if we practice enough, we can have enough faith. And with enough faith, like Heho, we can have the strength to come out of the caves we have crawled into. Maybe not all of us, but many of us have crawled into during this pandemic and during just during this time in general, but even more so during the pandemic. In order to avoid feeling the feelings of dread and fear that are associated with the present chaos in our world, in our government, in our country, and, and, in, and worrying about the future of the world. I believe that with enough faith, we'll have enough strength to stand our ground and not cave in to politicians who insist on creating and exacerbating the current chaos. Politicians who want to make false bargains, creating chaos in our government, that will give away the health of our home, the earth, in exchange for greater personal wealth. With enough faith, we will know which way is the way towards home. And we will also know when it's time to surrender. Then we can say goodbye to the chaos we're living through now and find our equilibrium as a united earth. And let us say... Amen.